You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. You're back recapping week three. Um, I mean, kind of how it goes. There was no no ranked matchups going into the week. Um, still saw plenty of upsets, plenty of entertaining football. Um, let's kick it right off with most and least impressive. Um, who impressed you the most in week three? I'm going to say I have a couple teams here, but I'm going to go with Temple as the most impressive, mainly for the fact that they survived four times in the red zone inside the 10-yard line against a high-powered Maryland offense who had been clicking on all cylinders. Yes, this was in fact a trap game and a double-down sandwich it with a look-ahead as they've got a big game next week. (laughs) It's the same thing. Yeah, the... uh, the letdown is, excuse me, what I was what I was looking for. Following off the big the big performance against Syracuse, the letdown, there you go. and then then you double it up with the uh, trap game slash look ahead. Temple made some plays offensively when they needed to. Most impressive was the defense, though. Four stops inside the ten yard line, including surviving a late fourth quarter seven yard punt from their end zone, giving Maryland the ball first and goal. Get out of it. They stop. The Terps at the one-yard line, the four-yard line, the seven, and I think it ended up being like the 10 or the 11 um, after after a sack. But hats off to Temple because this is a good Maryland offense. Obviously, they weren't going to score 60, you know, 71 points a game like they were averaging. But to hold them under 20 is still beyond impressive. And two of those, four of those points came on safeties, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and I mean, I... I'll, I'll dip into my least impressive first sex ed Maryland in there. There you um, go. Keeping it on this game. But such a dominating offensive performance the first couple weeks of the season, only one of them against real competition in Syracuse. But, I mean, for the most part, Temple absolutely manhandled Maryland's offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. You talk about how dominating the rushing attack had been. Um, really wasn't able to do that uh, today. Jack Jackson is under a lot of pressure all day, uh, really struggled with accuracy um, for most of the game. And, yeah, I mean, basically depends on perspective. Temple played really well defensively, or Maryland had a, a pretty big letdown game offensively. But either way, the, the Terps are no longer undefeated. Who would have, who would have thought, you know, <laughs> just right off of that. Um Another team that I was really impressed with was Florida. Just given the fact that you lose your quarterback to a devastating injury, like one that ESPN wouldn't even show a second time, that's how bad it was, to be able to come back with a guy like Trask and and win the ball game from from behind on the road against a rival, that's that said a lot to me. Yes, Kentucky was playing with a backup quarterback. They did not have their starter in as Terry Wilson's out for the year, but to win a road game with a backup quarterback coming in after a bad injury to a team captain. And Felipe Franks is a guy, he's the first Florida quarterback since Tim Tebow to throw for more 12, more than 12 touchdowns in a season. That's a fun little fact. I mean, that that I think that says enough. Not that Franks is like a, a world beater, but he certainly is a competent and solid quarterback. It's a high bar to clear. Yeah, now that now that we're without uh, Felipe Franks, you're coming around on him. Yep, that's exactly um, what I needed—an <laughs> injury to to soften soften my criticism. Yeah, and I mean this this is not the Kentucky team from last year, but I mean, bit of a, a mental roadblock for Florida certainly um, last year, ending their streak of wins over Kentucky. So 
good to see from their perspective getting out and, and starting another one. Um, my, my most impressive, uh, I've got a couple, but Kansas state number one. Yeah. Um, great win looking like, as some people said, the, uh, the best off season coaching hire in the, the big 12. I don't know if anyone said that on this show, but no idea. Um, like I, I don't, I really don't think anything was expected of this team. This was, and I mean, I'm sure they can still find a way to like go four and eight and five and seven. So could still make me eat crow, but for now, um, very impressive first two games of the year against overmatched opponents and then getting a win over, uh, Tommy Stevens and Mississippi States, um, and others. Um, I mean, really has to put, the rest of the big 12 on notice. I still don't know that they're really a threat to, you know, a team like Oklahoma, but you know, certainly a team like Iowa state, even Texas, um, I think Kansas state could, could play these guys pretty tough. And again, this is, this is a turnaround that looks to be happening much faster than anyone could have imagined. The defense was particularly impressive. They made, Tommy Stevens just looked uncomfortable all game. He never really had clean pockets to throw out of him. And when he did, there wasn't, you know, open receivers to find. So hats off to the Kansas State defense, basically picking up where where they left off previously, like winning some games they shouldn't. They'll probably lose a few that they shouldn't. And then next thing you know, they're in a bowl game at like six and six, seven and five. And you're like, is this team really good? Skylar Thompson threw the ball 18 total times. He, he really didn't have to do too much. Like that, that's where they make their money is, is forcing other teams to make plays. Kylan Hill had a good game, but other than that, no one from Mississippi state really played well. In a lot of ways, they're kind of, or like over the years, they've kind of been the big 12s version of Iowa where, except a couple fewer wins per year. But really what makes me think about that is every year in bowl season, I always feel like they're playing a team that they should have no business competing with. And then they just kick their ass to finish the season, like eight and five or something. Um, right. So, I mean, if that's what they're going to do again, great. I think this is a, uh, a faster start than they're used to. Granted, this is really their one game that they've played so far. So we'll have to see how sustainable it is, but I mean, no reason to doubt it so far. Yeah, the offense certainly wasn't great. Just looking at the numbers, I watched a, not a, not as much of that game as I would have liked to, but just over 250 yards of offense. They did get a kick return for a touchdown, and defense made plays, like I said before. So it's a team game, as as we've learned as we've learned over uh, you know the few years of watching football in the past. Yeah, um, I've got I've got two more. Okay. Um, First, I have to uh, have to tip the cap to Ohio State. They are an absolute wagon and at times looked even better than the national championship team. Um, Indiana did not play well. I will be the, the first to, to tell you. I think the, the stat that was pointed to is there were 16 missed tackles on a total of 11 plays that led to an additional 166 yards after contact. It was really just that kind of game. That's a lot uh, of numbers. Yeah. So the <laughs> the defense is not good. And then when you don't have, you know, starting quarterback who it, this is going to be a fun Kevin Wilson, Nate Sudfeld era of we're not going to know if Penix is going to play until like 30 minutes before the game every single week. Peyton Ramsey was Peyton Ramsey. Um, but 
from Ohio State's perspective, I mean, J.K. Dobbins looked absolutely electric. Yeah. Um, Fields, no problem running the offense. And, I mean, they they look like an absolute wagon. He did miss Ohio a couple throws, but, I mean, how how do you stop that offense? <laughs> like, it's it's tough. You just need right. to, to hope to God you can match up athlete for athlete. And very frankly, I don't think there's anyone in the Big Ten that matches up with this team, even even close. And that includes Michigan, including and especially Michigan. Def- yeah, definitely not. I mean, when you're talking about athlete for athlete, Ohio State's in a class of its own. Right. The, the matchup of just the individual units, Ohio State's um, offense against Michigan's defense, that'll be a great matchup. But I think it swings greatly in Ohio State's favor, um, the other side of the ball, where, as I mentioned Saturday, it took Indiana running seven plays before they finally got one that gained a positive <laughs> yards. That defensive like, line is just oh, very good. Yeah. Um, so credit where credit's due there. Um, also, BYU. Yeah. Knocking off USC. So, I mean, say what you will about Tennessee, but they are a Power 5 school. So, BYU's only lost so far as to Utah. He's a top 10 team now. Um, got the Got the win. In extra time against Tennessee, got another overtime win capped off by a great interception against um, USC, who had come to this game riding high. But yeah, they're uh, they're they're a team that I, I kind of look at uh, taking on Washington mm-hmm. this week as a uh, pretty good opportunity to to knock off another Pac-12 team. I mean, really liking the yeah. schedule out of the gate for BYU. So do I. They they're playing they're playing a great schedule for an independent team. You know, yeah. A lot is said about Notre Dame and how they either don't play a hard enough schedule or they just suck. Like it's it's never Notre Dame plays a tough schedule. It's no. always like they, they it looks good on paper and then you play the season and then everyone stinks and you're like, oh, why didn't they play this team or that team? It's like, well, they got 37 rivalry games that they have to pencil in every year, and then you got to have a tune-up game somewhere, and that's where New Mexico comes in. And it was a nice little hat tip to Bob Davey, even though he was sick and couldn't make it. And it's like, yeah, you know. It doesn't help Notre Dame's case when you see BYU going out and playing some of these games. Yes, Tennessee isn't that good. Yes, Utah is a rivalry game. But you get Washington at home and you get USC at home. Those are two high-quality games right there, regardless yeah, I mean, of how the Pac-12 is. The, the, for speaking to Notre Dame for a second, the ACC tie-ins really... It's a killer. Really hamstring what they're able to do. Is BYU doesn't have, you know, they're, right. they're not like obligated to play, you know, five Pac-12 teams a year. Um, so they can they can just go out and schedule this. And for Notre Dame, there's a lot of teams. You said they just aren't able really to play anymore um, with regularity. Michigan kind of just starting up again. Um, like there's no more Michigan State. Some years off, yeah. Michigan Purdue. State used to be Purdue every year. Those were the two I was thinking of. Um, yeah, even Army the, for a while. Guys. Yeah. Um, and that would be a great game now, too. It would. It would. Yeah, I, had, yeah, I, 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 I was I was already going on to, uh, to other teams, and I, I was, for some reason, thinking of Boston College. It's like, oh, I don't know if that would be a good game this year. Yeah. Um, I agree with BYU, though. I like Zach Wilson a lot. This defense has continued to improve week over week, which obviously is what you'd like to see. They're not great by any measure, but they are very much bend-don't-break. And Home game against Washington. I I love the Cougs. Like that, that's a great game for them. We already yeah, we already know Washington has been offensively challenged too. So right, yeah, 
I just have one more most impressive. I'm going to go with UCF. Just I, yeah. blowing the doors off of Stanford in the first half. I, I'm i pretty sure I blinked and it was 28 nothing or 28-7. And then you blink again and it's like 38-14, 38-10 at the half. They didn't. They just cruised the rest of the way. So that, that offense is good. I think they've won something like 27 straight non-conference games. This is Stanford's second worst loss in a non-conference game in the last Ten years? I can't remember the stat, like the exact stat, but it was something along those lines. And KJ Costello played, and he did not play well. The defense played well for UCF. They're yet again a good team. Who yeah, did thunk? So out, out of all of the people who were, you know, complaining that UCF doesn't play anybody, exactly zero of them care about this win. Because right. if you if you look at what happened just one week ago. USC blows out Stanford. Stanford's playing its backup quarterback. Everybody's all in on the Trojans. Like you mentioned, KJ Costello back this week. UCF beats them just as badly. He was under fifty percent passing. Had an interception. Like this offense did not look good at all. And it it basically took the second half where UCF kind of took their foot off the pedal to really get Stanford back in the ball game. Yeah, or make it even remotely respectable. Right. But, I mean, they, you know. You know who really doesn't look great now is Northwestern. Yes. That's uh, <laughs> that's a team that's in for a long season. They are. That is uh, glad, glad they're my sleeper pick in the Big Ten. Yeah. That's... Although, although they didn't look great this time last year as well, and then somehow rattled off, what, eight straight to, to finish the year? They, they, yeah, they just need that loss to Akron uh, yes. again. Really, yes. really turn it around. <laughs> that's all we need. Uh, I have no more most impressive teams. Yeah. I mean, Kansas was cool, but that's really all I have to say. Yeah. You can, um, we can get to BC on the other we, side. Yeah. yeah. Do you have them as least impressive? I do. I mean, how? Yeah. Kansas scored seven points last two weeks ago at home against Coastal Carolina. How do you give up 48 to this offense at home? Like, oh, man, in military appreciation night, no less. Like, that is sheer disrespect to the troops, unless – all the ones they were honoring were from Kansas. Then I guess it was cool. But 48 Unlikely. points, getting the doors blown off them in the second half. I mean, this was a close game. They were up early. I think it was 14-7, 21-7. And then Kansas just roared back and did not look back after that. Yeah. Um, it's it's really it's really hard if you're Boston College to, you know, take any solace out of anything from this, especially when you juxtapose it with, struggling to get by an FCS school in Indiana State, losing to what is barely above an FCS school in Coastal Carolina. Yeah. And then just, I mean, maybe this is just what they were saving everything for, but I really don't think that was the case. They, I mean, Kansas had not won a road game against a Power 5 school in over a decade. Non-conference, obviously. But they hadn't won a non-conference road game in over a decade against a Power 5 school. That is that is bad. Yeah, you you don't want to be the team ending that streak. No, that's for sure. Absolutely not. Um, for me, I had to throw Michigan State on there. Oh yeah, um, just laying an absolute egg at home. Same same old issues with Herm. with Michigan State. Yeah, I mean Her, Herm <laughs> winning another game he shouldn't got a little little lucky there that uh, Michigan State just had a complete brain fart on the. Game time field goal. Um, I mean that whole 12, 12 that whole final field. play was stupid though. Like wh- the last second decision to throw the kicking unit on, and then obvious like everyone's rushed, so you're not going to count the guys. Yeah. 
I, I don't understand it whatsoever from Michigan State, but whew, we, we said there's no way they could do it again, and they did it again. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, less surprised than last year, but that was, that was an easy bet on Arizona State to cover two touchdowns. Yes. Um, yeah, so, I mean, so Michigan State and Michigan are going to be pretty similar this year in terms of defense is good again, offenses look pretty inept. Which is tough for my comeback player pick in the the Big Ten, Brian Lorkey. Right. Um, almost got to 300 yards in this one, but did not. And it like can't can't score seven points at home. Like even Indiana scored ten. Right. I mean that there are this. I this is obviously not as bad as losing by 24 to Kansas, but it's close. Sure. It's close. It, you're it's, supposed it's to be like, a, com- a contender in the Big Ten. You've got an elite-level defense against a freshman quarterback, one of the best running backs in the country, sure, but they, they've lost their playmakers. This isn't like a great offensive line either from Arizona State, and the defense certainly isn't anything special, but, man, they they just, like you said, laid an egg. Yeah, it's, it's a different kind of bed than Boston right. College. Obviously closer margin of defeat if you, if you want to – get the, uh, yeah. the the moral victories going <laughs> but but um I, I don't think that'll that'll make anybody from Michigan State feel better yeah it's there there's there's really nothing you can point to and say like we should have lost this game like they they just did not show up ready to play at all Arizona State had 216 yards of offense total and won the yeah. game <laughs> like your defense is unbelievably good that's all you need to know but the offense cannot produce no matter what. The run game was better this week. I mean, obviously not than when they destroyed Western Michigan, but it's it's better. They just, for whatever reason, cannot find the end zone. I mean, that can be a challenge sometimes. Find out, especially in the Big Ten. It's, uh, there's going to be some ugly football games. Just wait this week. Northwestern Michigan State. I mean, this, this slate of games after... Uh, Wisconsin and Michigan in the Big Ten, atrocious. It's uh, Ohio State, J. Crew U, Illinois, Nebraska, probably the second Ooh. best game of the week. How about that? You've, you've got Indiana, UConn. Um, Jesus. I'm pretty sure Indiana's four touchdown favorites with Peyton Ramsey. Um, That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, Northwestern, Michigan State, which normally entertaining, but the teams just are not good. I think the over-under year. is 32.5 right now. There's no way. I, I'm, I'm it, it cannot. Sure. It cannot be that low, right? I thought. <laughs> I thought. I thought Fornelli was treating is like 38. Um, I thought it was maybe lower. Not, though. I mean, that's not. I'm this just, is a bad slate of games. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of teams on by too. Um, some that could use the break, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty much just Michigan, Wisconsin. That's that's it for for entertaining Big Ten games this week. Speaking of Illinois, they're a least impressive team. They fall victim to the Eastern Michigan buzzsaw. That's won three straight road games against Big Ten opponents. Three years in a row they've won a road game against a Big Ten opponent. Illinois now the third behind Purdue and Rutger. So, a, real, a real murderous row of Big is. Ten West teams. But, uh, yeah, no, Chris Creighton's done a pretty good job at Eastern Michigan. Keep waiting yeah. for that to be parlayed into, you know, one of those one of those seasons with like a double digit win season and then take off to, you know, presumably an open Big Ten West job or something like that. Um but yeah, like Illinois looked 
actually decent uh, first couple weeks of the season. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon Peters um, bringing a little bit of stability to that quarterback position. And, I mean, at times, he looked like he was the, the one that got away, especially compared to what Shea Patterson was doing um, in Ann Arbor. But this is, this is more of the same. This is a couple a couple weeks of hope. All that uh, that NFL coaching experience, forty nine years, <laughs> really uh, really paying off in the college game. Still, it it was tough. Um, I just picked the wrong MAC team. That's all it was this year. I thought Akron was going to beat them. It was Eastern Michigan. I was just off by one MAC school. Um, but I mean, you look at their you look at the Illinois wins. Akron, they blew them out as they should because Akron's just not a good football team. But sneaking by UConn on the road is tough too, especially given that you lose to Eastern Michigan. I don't yeah. know that I see another win on this schedule, and that includes Rutgers. I don't know. I mean, that one's going to be. Is that is that a home or away this year? It's at home. It's in Champaign, but I don't think that helps. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's just, it's just geography. They don't have to travel. <laughs> That's true. It's not, it's not like it's going to be a raucous home crowd, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't be at Rutger either, but just the the inconvenience of having to travel across the time zone to could be too New much Jersey, for yeah. could be too much for somebody. Yeah, jet lag is real. That one yeah. hour time difference. I mean, for these teams, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, speaking of other bad teams, Georgia Tech lost to the Citadel at home in overtime. I mean, that is bad. <laughs> that's that's tough. <laughs> that is. That, there's been bad, bad, and worst. I think BC terrible. Michigan State, terrible. Georgia Tech, that has to be the worst of them all. Like, unbelievably bad. Get, just bring the triple option back, for the love of God. <laughs> this is not a team that runs a modern offense. And it harkens back to what we talked about after week one, where like Clemson didn't seem to really play particularly well in any aspect of the game, but they still absolutely wrecked Georgia Tech. Yeah. So. Probably should have seen this coming a little bit. Right. Um, the, Writing was on the wall. Yeah. Um, Jeff Collins will have his opportunity to turn it around, but what he is starting with right now is uh, it's far from good. And yeah, I mean, I like even if that's not something you're you're naturally um, bound to do. Like this is a roster that is set up to be a triple option football team. Just, right. Just fa- phase that out. Phase into whatever you're going to do, but. Trying to trying to get some of these guys to quit at cold turkey. Um, that's that's going to be a challenge. It is, and I mean, I'm pretty sure the Citadel runs a little triple option as well. So that is, uh, I mean, beyond military. So yeah. potentially, I don't know. It's a uh, <laughs> that's just a hard, look, a tough look. The ACC man, tough weekend for them. It's, yeah. The only other teams I want to shout out are Pitt for the worst game management in the world at the end of that Penn State game and Colorado losing. Shout out to the troops losing at home to Air Force. True prospectors over there. there. Mel Tucker Mel Tucker is doing something right. He he is. Very noble of him to to end his undefeated start as a head coach with a loss to the troops. Yeah. They they deserve it more. Um okay, so three ranked matchups this week after zero last week. Mm-hmm. Um Start off with the the one in the top ten. Yeah, Notre Dame going to Georgia. Jake Fromm's first collegiate start a couple years ago was against the Irish. Twenty nineteen win at Notre Dame Stadium. Obviously, the dogs pretty heavily favored playing at home. How do you see this one shaking out? I think it'll be close. Not twenty to nineteen close. I think Notre Dame keeps it close and Georgia scores one or two late to to spread it out and get all the haters to say that Notre Dame sucks and they shouldn't be here and blah blah blah. But uh. 
I haven't seen enough from this Notre Dame defense to make me feel comfortable about them going up against the likes of DeAndre Swift and Jake Fromm and a good offensive line for Georgia. The offense seems to be working out pretty well for Notre Dame at this point. Ian Book is playing very well. He's gotten a lot of respect from the Georgia defense. Some have even said he looks like Johnny Manziel out there, which is a far stretch. They have not seen a lot of tapes. (laughs) Right. Um, I think, uh, like I said, I think it stays close for a little bit, but I think Georgia pulls away, maybe wins by 10, probably probably something in the range of 38-28. Yeah, I mean, I've got Georgia here too. This is going to be better line play than both teams will be um, used to seeing. And I mean, for Georgia, best line play they'll see for, you know, at least a month until they get into the the heart of the SEC schedule. Um, Notre Dame's receivers have been great. Ian Book's been solid. Um, Running game's still kind of finding its way. And I feel like going up against Georgia's front seven, which has been pretty spectacular, that could really be a buzzsaw. Um, and then, I mean, Jake Fromm has been phenomenal. We know they can run the ball. Um, Notre Dame secondary really hasn't been tested playing Louisville and New Mexico. The numbers sound great when I read them without context. You know, 39% completion percentage against, three interceptions, no touchdown passes allowed, but it's Louisville and New Mexico. Um, Jake Fromm is future first-round pick, I would say, and this is going to be a, a huge challenge for, again, it's a, a pretty pretty young and most part inexperienced secondary. Yeah, it's a good point about the run game, too, for Notre Dame. Jafar Armstrong out with an injury for the foreseeable future, at least. Tony Jones gets his chance, but, I mean, it, you're going up against a brutally tough front seven from Georgia. And Jake Fromm really, even, for, I mean, he, he plays the same way. He, he is a very prototypical game manager, NFL-style quarterback. He doesn't have to let loose for them to win this game. He just has to play within his means, and that's exactly what he's capable of. Yeah, I mean, and and what he has around him is mm-hmm. pretty damn good too. So, right, I mean, can lean on that all day. Um, yeah, for your final score, I don't know. It's uh, the last spread I saw was those two touchdowns, but I, I think double digits is probably safe. But Notre Dame might cover. All right, that is. Uh, I think so, we're both in about the same. About the same there, spot. There is, uh, there is that. Um, okay, so Auburn, your boy Bo Nix, going to Texas A&M. Um, A&M has not beaten Auburn at home since they joined the SEC. Fun fact. That is a fun um, fact. So, I mean, Kevin Sumlin was there for a lot of it. That's so, true. You know, this give is him true. The, so one shout out for show. <laughs> one shout uh, out of show, Kevin Sumlin. So, yeah, how do you see this one going? I think this is the game that Bo Nix finally has his freshman game. I think he's playing a tough defense that's getting players back. Elijah Blades, I believe, should be healthy this week in playing. He's been out, suffered an injury, I think, in that Clemson game. Uh, They get him back. They get a couple other defensive players back on the line. It feels like a game where they're going to force him to beat him with his arm, uh, not let the run game get going with Jatavius Whitlow, but Jatavius Whitlow, excuse me, um, I like A&M. I think Kellen Mond bounces back. This is, you know, big game getting ready for the rest of the SEC slate. He needs this one. A&M needs this one if they want to stay alive, really, in the New Year's Six Bowl talk. Uh, Home game, Kyle Field's always tough to play at, especially when you have a competent coach and not Kevin Sumlin. 28-17, A&M. I think uh, Knicks gets a touchdown late in the first half, and then from there, 
all bets are off. A and M starts to cruise. Yeah, I I think it's going to be a pretty low scoring game. Um, so I do think Knicks will struggle a bit um, playing in a a truly hostile environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other end, Auburn, one of the best lines in the country, Sean Corbin out for the year. Um, so that's going to be a challenge um, for Texas A&M. I'm going to put a lot more on Kellen Mond's plate, who still kind of waiting for his breakout game of this season. And I mean, maybe he can be fueled by the home crowd, but I think that's a pretty big ask um, for his breakout game to come against a defense as tough as Auburn's. Um, that being said, I think A&M will have just a little more offense than Auburn, but I mean, probably see this closer to like a 17 ten or something. Low, low score. Not a, yeah. not a lot of points. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it feels like both these quarterbacks are going to be going in opposite directions. Not that Bo Nix is going to be on a downhill slide the rest of the year, but I, I mean, he just started so high and now it feels like he's got to come back, you know, regress back to the mean a little bit while Kellen Mond has started off pretty low and he's got to get back up to where he's capable of playing. Yeah. And I mean, whoever wins this game, it's going to do wonders for momentum going forward. Um, A&M had a, an opportunity to play a, a big game already, um, fell short against Clemson. Auburn played their big game. They came out on top against Oregon. But again, playing this at a is going to be a different challenge for Auburn. It's going to be a different challenge for the freshman Bo Nix. And I mean, I think that's going to be a pretty big factor um, in determining the winner here. Definitely. And I mean, AM in, in and of itself is just a, a strange, different place, too. So add that in. It's it, it's a tough ask for a freshman quarterback to go in and get a win. Yeah, absolutely is. Um, then we've got the, the one good game in the Big Ten, Michigan at Wisconsin. Uh, Michigan has struggled at Camp Randall historically. And I mean, Wisconsin has been as impressive as, as just about anybody in, in the country in terms of sheer dominance to their first two games of the season. Um, a lot of questions being asked about Michigan after their struggles against Army. Do you think that will continue, or are they going to uh, to figure out a way to turn it around offensively here? I think even if the offense turns it around, I still don't think they're capable of much. I just – I have been – so out on the the Wolverines all season. I was out on them in the preseason. I was out on them last year. I'm continuing that trend. I really like Wisconsin. I actually really like Jack Cohn. He's played exceptionally well. Just 14 incompletions so far this season. Five touchdown passes. I think Wisconsin rolls here. 35 or 42 to 10. Just a blowout. Wow. Uh, okay. I mean, this Wisconsin team is the Wisconsin team I expected last year and I picked him to win the big time. Right. Jonathan Taylor is still, you know, we know exactly who he is. He right. is going to dominate um even against a team like Michigan. Um he's still gonna get a ton of touches. He's going to wear them down and I mean he is going to yeah let's say probably at least 140, 150 yards on the ground. Um and then now actually having what certainly resembles a competent passing game with Jack Cohen. Um I mean that that's just a different look for for Wisconsin um, and Michigan. I mean Josh Gaddis, Shea Patterson. I don't really know what else they can do here. Um, Wisconsin is going to be 
very challenging defensively. Um, Leonard usually has the guys on that side of the ball built in over the course of the season. They look like they're coming out of the gate already, just playing on fire. Right. And I'm not going to go the same as you and say it'll be a blowout, but I will be shocked if Wisconsin does not win this game. Um, and an actual offense and then a competent defense going up against what has been a big-time struggling offense. Um, again, also a struggling offense playing on the road as if they needed an additional challenge. But, yeah, I I don't see Shea Patterson pulling this one out. I think the big question is, does Shea Patterson yet again fumble on the opening possession? Not outside the realm of possibility. I would love to see a prop bet on that. <laughs> love to see that. I'm sure you can find one. It's out there somewhere. Absolutely. Spread spread option this week. <laughs> Let the people know. Yes, that's what I gotta find. Again, I uh, I don't know. I just don't believe Har. I don't believe in Harbaugh. I don't believe in this offense. They've done nothing to show me that they can win a big game. I mean, when when was the last time they won a big game, and who was it against? Army. Yes. There, there you go. <laughs> they won the big the, one. It was the big name kickoff on Fox. It so was. That's that's their game of the day. <laughs> that's true. This is this is all a good point. If you get Gus Johnson in the building, that's the biggest game of the week. Yeah. I, I love that that was their scheduling strategy this year to try to get their big game, not at the same time as, you know, like ESPN, ABC, right. all the other ones. The SEC at 2.30 or 3.30, yeah. depending on where you are. Been, been a mixed bag. Yeah. Indiana, <laughs> Ohio State did not deliver. <laughs> Michigan Army did in the fact that Michigan stunk and made it a right. game when it really shouldn't have been. I don't even remember who they had before that, but... Fox Fox has some interesting game game schedules here. That is for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, any anything else for next week? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, Cal three zero. After I talked very bad about them for weeks on end, so shout out Cal. They barely beat North Texas twenty three seventeen. Yet the voters loved that. Hey, um, they also barely beat Washington. They so. did. A win's keep, a win. You know, keep, keep picking nets. A win is a win. Uh, they get Ole Miss now on the road. So defense really going to have to come and play. The offense has to show something eventually, right? But uh, that and then uh, Miami, Ohio head coach had a great quote about playing Ohio State. He said, it's like we're at recess and they have 85. They have the first pick 85 times. Yeah, that's pretty tough. It's <laughs> a, a great line. Though. It is. I mean, it, it. part of it sucks for his team because it's like, look, none of you would play there, but I think everyone knows that. I don't think it, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like this is an NFL caliber roster in terms of like the future players that they have. True. True. Other than that though, I think, I think that's about it. Oklahoma state's at Texas. I like that game a lot. Pokes defense has not looked great, but the offense has been stellar. There'll be points there for sure. Yeah. Take take the over blind, blind over, but the, the blind bet last week of just, Oklahoma covering that paid off. So that was easy. That's, <laughs> easy that's, money. That, that's the tip for this week. Take the over in Oklahoma State, Texas. Not looking at what it is. Washington but. State also hosts UCLA this week. I think I'm just going to bet against UCLA every week this season. Yeah, I mean they have they're they're winless against the spread too, right? Yes, they for sure. Yeah, okay. Because they right. were favorites, yeah. I think, or they were they were what close against Cincinnati. That's what I was, yeah, that's the only one I was wondering on, really. Yeah. It was, I sure as hell didn't cover against Oklahoma. Right. 
All right. Well, we got some betting homework for you. Um, yeah, tune into the the spread option for for more betting homework and uh, keep on listening to this one. We'll see you next week.